Thank you for uh, joining us today. We're super excited to have you here to talk about what is it to enable the future of the workforce. My name is Stephen Hussein. I'm the Director of Community Workforce Programs for Prologis. Uh, and with me is Derek Belch, the CEO and founder of Striver, one of the most innovative companies, I think, you know, and, and the company that I have great admiration for. So we'll go ahead and get started today. And, and Derek, you know, one of my, my first questions for you is just talk about the history and the founding of Striver, because I think it's fascinating where it came from and where it's at today. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me, Stephen. Really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, we, we do have a, an interesting history, if I, I do say so myself. So uh, the genesis of this is actually in sports. Uh, I was I, I played football at Stanford University um, here in Palo Alto as an undergrad. And uh, while I was an undergraduate student athlete, I took some classes on virtual reality. And I always kept in the back of my mind, hmm, this is an interesting technology that as it evolves, uh, could be uh, interesting to help train athletes, you know, at least the mental side of the game, uh, you know, down the road. Uh, flash forward a few years later, I'm in business school at USC, and I have this crazy thought in my head that if I don't see coaching before I turn 30, I will regret it forever. So I accelerated my MBA. I finished early. I came back up to Stanford to coach for the football team. And while I was coaching, I had to do a master's thesis because I was a graduate assistant. Um, I didn't really need another master's degree, but it was kind of the only way to get the job. So, you know, we made sure to, to do it right. And my thesis was with Jeremy Balenson, who runs the virtual reality lab at Stanford. He's a tenured professor there. He was also the professor that taught my VR classes as an undergrad. So you can kind of see how this is all building together. Well, my thesis was to come up with a way to train football players using virtual reality. Um, it was such a successful academic project, and we built such a cool prototype that David Shaw, Stanford's head coach, literally sat me down and was like, if I were you, I would get the heck out of here and go start a company uh, because you're too smart to be a football coach. And that thing is really cool. And I would love to invest in it if you'll give me the opportunity. So that's literally how Striver was born. Uh, I did some soul searching, talked to my wife, talked to my parents, uh, decided, hey, if, if not now, then, then when would I ever you know, start a company? And for the first uh, almost two years, you know, 18 to 24 months, we were mainly focused on using VR to help train athletes to give mainly quarterbacks, but some other positions as well. And then other sports outside of football, give the athlete mental reps when their body is off the field, but their brain thinks it's on the field by putting a headset on. Um, and then about 18 months in, we got a pretty fortuitous phone call from Walmart and they said, Hey, we've seen what you guys have done in sports. Could you come down here and show us what we might be able to do for employee training? And that sent Striver on a much different path. Uh, you know, we still do sports today, but it's a very small part of the business. You know, it's mainly an enterprise play. That's how we got connected with folks like yourself. Uh, and you know, we, we are considered to be the industry leader as it relates to startups, you know, using virtual reality for uh, employee training. So that, that is our, that is our Genesis. Incredible. Right. So, so as you think about, you know, the journey over the past couple of years um, and really just the last six months, I mean, it's just been a wild journey over the last six months is what are you seeing from your customers as they think about training and development and, and enabling that workforce? Yeah. You know, I, I think for us, it, not a lot has changed as it relates to the, the initial thesis of the company and, and using virtual reality, you know, this new medium for, for learning, training, engagement, et cetera. And that is uh, the analogy I love to use is, is a pilot in a flight simulator, right? When pilots go in a flight simulator, they, they basically fly the plane without actually flying the plane. Uh, if you don't, if you if you mess up, you're not going to kill anybody. You're not going to you know flush a hundred million dollar asset down the drain, and you keep doing it again and again and again 
until you've proven that you can fly that plane w- without any mistake, right? The whole 10,000 hour rule um, colloquially. And, and really that, that hasn't changed as we've gotten deeper and deeper into the enterprise. Uh, a lot of our customers are seeing, you know, even the work we did in sports and still do in sports and then seeing what other customers are doing and saying, yeah, I, I want that flight simulator like experience for my employees. And now, as you look, you know, you alluded to Stephen, the, the last six months. Now, as we look at where this world is with, you know, remote work and, uh, and video conferencing and the need to engage and immerse, you know, at scale. And, and when we're not all in the same physical place, and then we look at, you know, some of your, your customers in, in the Prologis family and the need to hire quickly and onboard quickly and not make mistakes, you know, especially in the logistics world where they are just swamped with, with work right now. Um, the, the, the need and the desire for a better training modality um, and one that fits into the, the, the modern day and the future workforce, it, it's real and it's palpable. Um, so that, that's what we're seeing. You know, I, I'd love to kind of hear what, what you guys are seeing as well, um, because I think there's probably a lot of synergy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you think about our customers where, where there's, there's a lot of overlap, um, but the, the industry is just growing incredibly fast and it's changing very fast as well. And so we're thinking about, you know, what are the new skills that workers need to have and, and what does the future of automation look like and robotics look like and how do you actually upskill, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands and millions of workers uh, in a way that's meaningful and effective. And that's why we're so you know excited about VR and other on, other online learning platforms. You know, we started our community workforce initiative uh, just about two years ago to say, you know, how can we upskill 25,000 folks by the end of 2025? And working with our customers and learning solutions like Striver and others, we're thinking about what's the best way to train people uh, and, and really go from from tools that were once thought of as, I think, um, kind of uh, niche to what are really enterprise learning solutions. And, and that, I think, is what the future looks like very much so. Yeah, I mean, I, another thing that, that's interesting uh, that comes to mind for me, as you say that, and I'm sure we'll touch on this a little later, um, th- there's also a couple other factors at play in macroeconomic trends as we look at, you know, the, the aging out of certain folks of, in the workforce and then, you know, the groundswell of, of the younger employee or just a, a new generation of, of workers. Uh, so that knowledge transfer is critical. And the younger generations don't necessarily learn the same way that the older generations learn, n- nor do they want to. <laughs> um, you know, the, these, to your point, like the, these tools and toys and, and future technologies, that they are in the palm of, of, of the hands of, of every person in the younger generation. So if you're not speaking their language as an organization with tools like virtual reality, augmented reality, you know, video conferencing, et cetera, you're behind. Um, and that's definitely something that we're also seeing from a macroeconomic standpoint as we look at not only the, the upskilling and the reskilling, but also the knowledge transfer of, of one generation to another. Um, because, you know, for all this talk about automation, and, and it, it's real, there's a lot of human jobs that aren't going away anytime soon, if ever. So that, that knowledge transfer is really, really important. And, and we see that come up a lot time and again. Yeah. You know, to, um, to that point, you know, again, I think I think VR and AR and some of these other immersive learning solutions uh, are still not really well understood and, and what they can do. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, how has it really become enterprise and it's not so niche anymore? And, and what has that taken and what do you think the future of that looks like? Sure. So so you are exactly right. Uh, they are not well understood. <laughs> I mean, here here we are almost six years into to Striver's journey and and. and almost four years into the, the enterprise journey, at least with kind of Walmart kicking everything off. 
Um, and, and these are still two terms, virtual reality and augmented reality, that are not understood at all, and they're often confused. So let, let's, let's take 30 seconds for the viewers and just make sure we explain this. So virtual reality is what we like to call complete mental transportation, right? So body in one place, brain somewhere else. You know, I, I put a headset on, I look around, I am literally... My, my brain feels as if, I, if, I, if, as if I'm somewhere else. Literally, I'm, I'm in one, you know, one physical location. Uh, augmented reality, on the other hand, is exactly what it sounds like, augmenting the real world around you. So that may be a pair of glasses like you're wearing. That may be a hard hat. That may be a heads-up display for a pilot. Maybe eventually it's like your contact lens or your eyeballs like Minority Report. That's a, We could probably spend all day <laughs> on that topic. That's a little scary. Um, but AR is like a digital enhancement and an augmentation of the real world around us. Well, VR, you know, it's of course, it's got a long way to go. It's only going to get better. But VR is, is here. It's here to stay. It is ready for prime time, you know, for the most part. Augmented reality, on the, on the other hand, still, still somewhat primitive. A lot of problems and challenges to work through probably five to 10 years out as it relates to where a, VR is today, right? So that's just like a background that, that candidly I, I do in every meeting, <laughs> even with some of our customers we've been working with for two years, I remind everybody, you know, what the difference is between these two technologies. So for the purpose of virtual reality, you know, what, what we are doing with, with most of our customers, you know, the, the major benefits, again, back to that pilot in a flight simulator analogy. So, you know, not only a more interesting, fun, engaging, memorable learning experience, but then when we think about how that flight simulator works, right, and, and how we can give that experience to other employees on a number of different learning, you know, opportunities, now we're looking at shorter time to proficiency, you know, better retention and, and, and therefore improve real world performance. Uh, eventually, some of the financial ROI that comes with, with lowering seat time and, and again, better operational output, like super important for the Prologis customer family when we talk about loading a truck more effectively where every square foot matters in that truck, right? So, um, you know, from a, from a performance perspective on the back end, you know, VR has proved very, very beneficial as it relates to lowering uh, or shortening ramp times and increasing, you know, output in the real world. So, so what do you think? You know, I've had a couple conversations about the logistics sector, and, and it's just such an interesting sector. It's very broad, very complex. Uh, it's not uh, homogeneous at all, or, or and, and it's very exciting, right? So how do you think about VR and immersive learning in that context? And, and where do you think uh, the industry should think about in terms of, of really upskilling the future of, of their talent force? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think first and foremost, it goes back to what I just said, which is uh, how do we how do we make training not only more cost efficient, you know, from a time perspective, um, but a, a button seat perspective, you know, let's get on, get you on the floor and get you proficient quicker. But also, all right, can this technology lead to better learning outcomes and therefore better real world outcomes? I mean, you know, some of our customers uh, that have fleets of thousands of trucks, hundreds of where tens of thousands of trucks, hundreds of warehouses, right? Just lots of complex operations. Again, literally like a square foot in a truck is a million dollars in profit <laughs> when you kind of extrapolate it out over the course of the fleet, right? So, so first and foremost, I, I think logistics can think about this from a, okay, if my people are better in the real world as a result of this training, then we will benefit on the back end, right? 
the other angle here, and I would love you know your thoughts on this as well, um, is, is really these are high churn industries. Um, and, and when you talk about a technology that not only can make learning more fun, not only can potentially engage the workforce you know, in a more effective manner, not only can lead to better real-world performance, which makes people feel better about their jobs so they're not leaving, right? We, we see this downstream effect of, of potentially churn also decreasing. And, and again, a shorter ramp time for high churn roles that in some cases it's inevitable that you're going to churn 30, 40, 50 80% at some point during the year. Um, you know, one, one small example, uh, one of our customers, uh, when, when we onboarded them, you know, a year ago, we had a gentleman uh, who, who was on the older side uh, take off the headset after training and say out loud to the room, I can't wait to tell my grandkids what I did at work today. <laughs> so so, so the, those are, while very fuzzy, right, those are some of the outcomes we are seeing as it relates to the impact this can have in, in very high churn roles. That employee probably just bought another week, month, you know, maybe year uh, as far as his tenure with the company. And that that's super important, but, but would love to hear your thoughts on this as well. Yeah, I mean, as we've thought about that, you know, from the very beginning, as we thought about the community workforce initiative and how do we really help our customers from a talent labor perspective, right? The industry has a high turnover rate and, and what are the things you can do that? The evidence is clear that learning and development investments help with retention. I mean, there's just no doubt about that. And I think the other piece of this, though, is how does learning and development uh, weave into career pathways and upskilling workers to advance beyond their current role to other future roles uh, and reskilling them for, for new opportunities as well. And that's, I think, what's really key for the sector's long-term growth and sustainability is how can you do that effectively? And you have to be able to do it at scale. But it also goes back to what you were talking about earlier, which is what are the measures in place that you have, right? L&D is not just an expense. Training isn't just an expense. There can yield real operational improvements. And you really should think about that on the front end uh, in terms of, of measurement. So I'd love to hear how you think about that with your customers and how, like, on the very front end, you start to think about what measures they should be putting into place. Yeah, sure. I was actually literally going to ask you the same thing. So so I'll, I'll answer and we'll, we'll shift to you because we, we do get, you know, we, we get pushed pretty hard on ROI. Uh, and oftentimes we have to just very respectfully, but but honestly ask our customers back, well, you know, with all due respect, can you tell us the ROI on your current training? And it, it's sometimes it's a hard answer. For them, so I, I would love to know what, what you guys are hearing. But but first, on our side, you know, we we do we use the Kirkpatrick model in, in many cases. Uh, you know, level one, level two, level three, level four learning. A lot of our customers are, are first and foremost um, concerned with just basic sentiment analysis, right? And then we start to go a little deeper engagement, retention, etc., and ultimately culminating, hopefully, in some sort of um, ROI. You know, that they're seeing on the back end. Uh, but to your point of your question. We really, really emphasize to our customers, hey, if you guys just want to do something fun, like to test VR, we are not the right partner for you because we're pretty rigorous upfront. Um, we are thinking about ROI from day one. We're thinking about scale, not only doing this for 100 people, but hopefully 1,000, 100,000, you know, Walmart, a million. Um, so, so we do approach that uh, or we approach things in that manner from the beginning. And we do set up our learning modules with all of those things in mind. Um, and as I alluded to before, you know, one of the biggest ROI drivers that we've seen from a measurements perspective has been seat time. Uh, and, and Walmart, you know, as an example, I know they're not a, a pure logistics company, but they're starting to do a lot of that. They obviously have a massive scale. Um, but, 
you know, they, they have been very open about uh, publicly about time to proficiency coming way down. I mean, some of these some of these trainings, they've eliminated half day, full day trainings in favor of 20 to 30 minutes in a headset because they've seen that the output is is the same. Um, from, from a learning perspective, or, or very close, right? And so when you start to go through and you look at, okay, 30 minutes here, an hour there, five hours here, these people not flying here, right? Like the cost of hotel, all this stuff, it just adds up. And some of these companies that we're working with, you look at their size and scale, you know, very similar to the Prologis family. I mean, th- these savings are in the tens of millions, if not more, when you, when you start to you know change manage your way across the organization, so you know that that's what we're seeing. Um, but but would also love to know. I mean, Prologis on, on your side, you guys have really leaned into to HR and, and and people development a lot more in the last few years. So would love to know how some of your customers approach measuring ROI as well. Yeah, I think there's the the pure measures that you can think about of you know how much are you spending on on L and D and how can you save seat time as well. Uh, but I, I certainly think the most sophisticated organizations are the ones who are really investing to say, do we see yields and productivity increases? Do we see declines in safety expenses or or safety claims? You know, how effective are we at packaging and shipping? Uh, those are the things that if you can actually really integrate and do well from a measurement standpoint with your training, then you know the, the type of ROA you can you can generate is really really incredible. Uh, and those are things that you really want to have on the front end, but they can be hard to measure. So as we talk to our our customers and as we're engaging with them on training and development, we certainly are asking, hey, what are the measures that really matter to you? What are the measures that your operational teams really care about? Because if we're not thinking about that, then we're going to have a problem to to see investments in training and development. Uh, and I think that has really been key to to our success and, and the success of our customers who are, who are doing this really, really well. Um, but I also think as, and I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on this, is it's just an incredibly tight labor market still. Despite a pandemic and, and, and unemployment, the labor market is actually still very tight for the logistics sector. And employers are thinking about how do they develop their own training programs because you may not be able to find the person who has the skills that you need. And how do you invest and do that really, really well? So what have you seen from, from your customers? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a, that's a really, really, really good question. Um, you know, we, we are seeing what you're saying firsthand as well. Um, the, the, on the one hand, you have these massive unemployment figures and, and therefore in, around the country and in the world for that matter. And therefore, a lot of the customers that we were talking to about working together in the, you know, the hotel, restaurant, et cetera, world, um, hospitality, you know, that, that's a little further out They're They're kind of taking a pause right now and just until further notice, but on the logistics side, um, it, things could not be any busier. Uh, we are seeing we are seeing you know double digit or more hiring <laughs> hiring growth with many of our customers. One of the really interesting things we're seeing actually is okay uh, now our customers have to think about kind of reinventing how they onboard uh, employees, especially managers, into the organization. So onboarding hasn't changed a ton for like your frontline worker that had, you know, is an essential employee and has to be in that, that physical warehouse from, from the first minute, you know, through their time with the company, but onboarding for managers actually has changed significantly. Um, a lot of our customers are telling us, Hey guys, like we, we actually can't bring managers into the warehouse because we have to lower the number of people in the warehouse from a safety perspective. We can't bring them in like we used to. So we're actually now kind of, we want to pivot VR with you a little bit to, okay, we used to do this with like 
the, the, the frontline employee that was onboarding. Now we actually want to think about how do we bring the warehouse to the manager that is, that is training in their living room right now? <laughs> and, and how do we use virtual reality again? You know, back to the, to the basic explanation of how this stuff works. Body in one place, brain somewhere else. How do I make a manager of a, of a warehouse feel like they are there so when they actually step onto the warehouse floor a month into their onboarding, this is they are not getting up to speed. They, they've done this before, so to speak, right? So that's been a major, major theme that we're seeing, just this reinvention of the onboarding process amidst what is a very busy hiring time. Um, and you know what? We, we haven't even seen the, the worst of this yet, worst you know, in a good way, because once we hit the holiday season and the, the peak, you know, the peak hiring starts happening, it, it's going to be, you know, five and tenfold what it was in the past. And, and, and these organizations are going to be stretched to the max for sure. Derek, how are you thinking about, you know, just really how does training enable success of a frontline worker? And, and, I, and I ask this question because as we're thinking about is career pathways is so important to a frontline worker. Uh, enab enabling them to really advance themselves economically, um, as well as to support talent development within the companies they work for. But how do you think about that? And how does how does Striver think about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think first and foremost, and, and, and these are out of the words of our customers' mouths and, and not necessarily mine. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm merely the messenger, but I think it's the reality. You know, as we look at um, the frontline worker in a number of industries, maybe not maybe not like the hospital industry where there's a lot of education that goes into you know being a nurse or a doctor, et cetera. Um, but certainly in in hospitality and logistics and, and a lot of different in, in restaurants, you know, in in retail, um, you know, it, it often frontline workers. It's a very different education level than than some of your white collar workforce, right, or the knowledge worker, I should say. Um, and so, first and foremost. Our customers are very, very excited about virtual reality, immersive learning um, as a learning by doing visual medium, right? For visual learners who, in some cases, don't have high school degrees. I mean, let's just be very, very frank about it, right? And, and, um, or, and or they are learning very task-specific, operationally-specific, um, you know, um, endeavors where that that learn by doing uh, opportunity that virtual reality affords is is critical. Um, so that first and foremost, that is something that has been very very uh, exciting for a lot of our customers. And and candidly, uh, the the uh, NPS scores that come back from the ground up from a lot of these a lot of these folks. Like I mentioned that story before, I can't wait to tell my grandkids what I did at work today. I mean, we're, we're just seeing that where. A lot of frontline workers love this technology, and, the, and they, they say, give me more. I want, I want more of it. Um, and then as we start to go downstream from that, like we talked about before, you know, hopefully better real-world performance uh, once they actually get onto the, onto the job, um, hopefully lower churn rate, hopefully keeping your job for longer, moving your way up the ladder for longer. Um, we, we are seeing all of this firsthand right now. Uh, which is which is super exciting, um, and it's definitely a technology that that we see being part of that that frontline toolkit um, going forward. Yeah, yeah. As we talk to our customers, you know, the thing that we hear the most are soft skills, right? So, uh, and then when you dive in deeper, it, it becomes basic English, basic math, basic literacy skills. Those foundational skills are very important. Digital skills is a huge barrier right now as we think about frontline workers and, and how do you really train them for, you know, advanced technology that may be entering in warehouses uh, or logistics centers. 
so, so there's so much to to be done there. And, and I think you know VR has a really unique capability to teach soft skills in particular. Um, that I think you know for the longest time employers have been trying to figure out how do you teach soft skills effectively. And you look at VR, and it's just there's so much potential there uh, going forward. So it's really an exciting time in learning. Yeah, this is actually one of the, one of the ones I, I wanted to make sure I, I asked you before we we close. You know, there's all this talk of automation, right? And and yes, automation is real. It it it's coming. It has come. It's going to come more. But but at the end of the day, like there are still a lot of people driven jobs out there, people centric jobs. And then I think you just hit the nail on the head. I mean, we could spend all day talking about about soft skills and how VR can can help with that. In addition to to the operational skills, but but would love to hear your perspective on. You know what? What is the, the realistic time frame, uh, if at all, for when automation just completely engulfs the the logistics world and those human jobs aren't needed? You know, I'm personally skeptical based on what I've seen with my own two eyes, but would love, um, you know, would love your perspective on that as well. Yeah, I, I'm quite skeptical. I think it, it's somewhat overblown uh, that you know you're going to see a, a tremendous job elimination. Uh, in fact, I think if you look at it today, that the the centers that are most heavily automated actually still require the greatest degree of talent and labor. So you, you don't see those trends. And, and I think it's really hard. I think people overestimate how easy it is to automate. Uh, it's incredibly expensive, and sometimes it just doesn't make sense. Uh, and there are certain things that you just can't automate effectively. And so I, I'm not confident. What I definitely see happening over the next five years is increased automation happening and frontline workers interacting with technology in a way that they haven't done before. And that will really require a lot of investment into rescaling to get them comfortable. But I also think it's a real opportunity to improve job quality. Um, you know, there's things that that automation and technology can really do to make these jobs better uh, and make the companies and organizations more effective at the same time. And I, I think that's where you're going to see the investments, though, in L&D is how do you really blend those two worlds? Because one's not going to eliminate the other. Yeah. And, and just to directly answer your question as we're, we're wrapping up on some of the soft skills, right? I mean, as the world gets more and more automated, robots aren't going to manage people. At least I hope not, right? <laughs> so, so, so one of the things we have seen at Striver with a lot of our customers that we're on multi-year journeys with is actually exactly the question that you asked a couple minutes ago, which is, okay, we start with hard skills, operational skills, you know, real ROI-driven stuff, and then we start to work our way more towards soft skills, and management skills and giving feedback and, you know, all of the things, again, pilot in a flight simulator where, you know, role plays just don't quite do it justice. Passively watching a video on how to manage someone is almost a waste of time. So how do you actually put someone in the shoes they'll be in, you know, in a real life simulated conversation? I'm a manager. I'm, I'm evaluating what this, this warehouse looks like. What would I do in this situation? So we are actually seeing a lot of soft skills work come up um, because companies know that if they don't invest in, in management and, and in the people side of their businesses, eventually they're going to be behind. Well, I wanted to close today. You know, this is the midst of, of planning season for, for most as they're thinking about 2021. And there's still a lot of a, a lot of change happening. But now I really want to say, what's your advice to folks as they're thinking about uh, how they can address the workforce of the future starting next year? You know, what are the things that they can be doing right now? Uh, to improve, what would you say to them? Yeah, so overall, I'm actually going to channel what one of our uh, Walmart champions always says when we're on the speaking circuit together. J just do it. <laughs> just, just, just do something. And, and, and candidly, it doesn't have to be immersive learning. 
Um, doesn't have to be VR, AR, you know, all MR, all the things out there that, that are paying the bills for, for my family. Um, it, it, it can be anything. Just do, do something and, and jump in two feet first that is different, that is innovative, that is, again, as we talked about earlier, that is speaking the language of this younger generation of employees that is, that is speaking more to these macroeconomic trends that we are seeing. Um, so, so do something overall. And then as it relates to, you know, our world specifically, virtual reality, immersive learning, you know, VR, AR, where, where the world is going. Um, I, I think the way that you kicked off this segment actually is fascinating. And that's a, a, what a, is on a lot of our customers or prospective customers' minds. You know, we always thought this was like this cool future piece of technology. Didn't know that it was here and, and real. And, and it is. You know, so so closing thought for for the folks out there watching this as they're looking at 2021 and beyond, this is real. This works. This is not fun, just fun snake oil, right? Like this actually works. And, and again, pilot and a flight simulator. We are bringing a flight simulator like experience to blank. Insert job here from you know frontline worker to CEO and everything in between. So, so really making sure that, that logistics companies with all of the complexity that they, that they go through on a daily basis from a training perspective and a people development perspective, and then eventually, you know, that long tail of management, soft skills, et cetera, um, that this really works. And, and the ROI is there in, in myriad different ways. And um, I would really encourage folks to, to make sure that this is in their plans at a minimum to test it in 2021 at best yeah. to, to start to think about going big. Derek, this was a this was a lot of fun. You know, it's always it's always fun to think about these things, and and uh, hopefully it was informative for people. Uh, anybody listening, just feel free to reach out to both of us. You know, both of us are pretty geeks uh, about this, so we're always excited to help, and and uh, and uh, we're really interested in this. So, um, thank you very much, Derek. I appreciate the time. Yeah, thanks for having me, Stephen. Anytime. Thank you.